0: Hello, and welcome to the Northern Grow podcast, a place to share tips, tricks and discussion on all things growing and gardening in northern climates. I'm your host, Ayrton, and I grow here in zone three on a farmstead in northern Alberta. Here we grow multitudes of things uh, such as flowers, herbs and vegetables for eating and storage. And we also uh, produce seeds for retail here on our little homestead. I am also an educator and a student of anthropology. And today I get to explore that side a little more by delving into the cultural history, contemporary use, and folklore surrounding plants in my mini-series I'm doing called A History and Folklore of Plants. And I do share some tips along the way. I feel I should put out a quick disclaimer in here that although I am talking about the uses of herbs or plants and looking at ways they may have been used medicinally or used traditionally, I am not a certified herbalist or a medical professional in any way. This podcast is purely to put on um, my anthropologist hat and talk about some plant histories and how they have been used in the past and today. This episode, I am going to be talking about dandelions, the humble dandelion, which I am keen to share with you all. And what am I drinking for this episode? So I am drinking a humble cup of uh, oolong tea. I am drinking Nutty and Spice by David's Tea and they are an awesome tea company they have lots of really fantastic varieties of teas I'm sure if you are I don't know if they're down in the states but if you are a Canadian listener um, you will be familiar with David's Tea um, but they just have such a good variety of teas and I believe they closed most or all of their retail stores during the pandemic and they I think they're operating online but the sad part is you actually don't get to sample any of the teas that way but that's okay um if you ever get the chance to try it nutty and spice oolong tea by david's tea is pretty fantastic okay so to the dandelion so um the thing I love most about the dandelion is, for me, it's actually, I kind of see it as one of those first signs of spring. Here um, on the homestead, it is one of the first plants that you start to see poking up out of the ground at spring. And it just makes me feel, when I see it starting to poke up, I feel really excited and I start to feel like this is the whole new cycle beginning again, a whole new cycle of growth and planting and harvesting is starting those little dandelion leaves are poking up out of the ground and it's kind of an interesting plant because it has been I think it's been it's kind of been really aggressively targeted um by um like herbicide and weed killer companies and it has a bit of a bad reputation um I know just uh, from around where I live in northern Alberta, um, the I know the city, I'll say it, the city of Edmonton made a policy last year where they were trying to encourage um, natural pollinators and they weren't cutting grass. And there was kind of a mixed bag. I, some people like in my permaculture groups and gardening groups, a lot of people tended to uh see that positively because they were seeing lots of natural grasses come through the taller grasses were beneficial for um not just pollinators but all sorts of wildlife that might be living in an urban area and an urban setting and frankly i believe if you are living in an urban area we should be doing as much as we can to encourage the urban environment to be habitable for wildlife um But it also was seen in quite a negative light, too. And a lot of people uh, kind of complained about the long grass and the dandelions. I saw that. And uh, they said it looked ugly and, you know, it didn't look good. And we need a nice manicured green lawn and we need our grasses to just... Look like a uniform, monogamous lawn, which, as I'm sure if you are listening to this podcast, chances are you probably know that, well, biodiversity is a good thing. And encouraging lots of different plant and grass species to move in and inhabit your lawn isn't actually all that bad. So um, although we have a lawn here in our garden, it doesn't mean we let it grow like knee high and grow wild but we have different species living on our on our lawn um and it's still very playable uh to go out and you know play soccer and enjoy the lawn space but uh we do have clovers and uh all different kinds of grasses and one of those plants we do allow to grow in our lawn is the dandelion and we personally enjoy the dandelion here because um, it's a really good pollinator, too, so um, it does encourage those insects in which if you are growing vegetables and you are growing uh you're growing any plants right you need those pollinators in um for your for your growth, and we also use dandelions here quite a bit. On the homestead, so they are they are very vigorous plants. I'm not going to say I use them all, but I do go out and pick quite a few basketfuls, and we use them in quite a couple of different ways here. So I'm going to talk about some of the uses of the dandelion. So contemporary uses of the dandelion today, um, quite often you can make uh, a Dandelion coffee, so it's it can be used as a coffee substitute. So what you would do is you would dig up the large tap roots, and then that involves drying and then grinding them into a powder and using it that way. Um, I've never tried it as a coffee substitute. I'm very curious, but. If you're digging up dandelions by those big, you're wanting to get those big roots out, they are very tough. And I'm not sure I've had just the time and energy to dig enough of those roots up to be able to grind into a coffee. Because uh, you're probably going to want to dig up quite a bit if you're wanting to get a fair bit of coffee from that. Um, So it's used as a coffee substitute. Substitute. Um, I don't know how good it tastes. I've heard mixed things from what I've been reading. Uh, some people, like I've even seen at the pharma stand, like in my area, you can get like, uh, you can buy dandelion coffee at the pharma stand. So I mean, it must be good. Some people will buy it just as the coffee, or, um, I have seen, um, some, where I've been reading that it's not so good and you should um, you know mix it either with like a bit of chicory or a regular coffee um, just to take the bitterness of the taste away so mixed bag and I'll have to try it if you have tried it uh, you can definitely reach out and let me know how it was so if you have any tips or techniques on how to how to make it quite palatable I have just heard that it's pretty bitter so I'm not too sure on it but it is supposed to be a very good coffee substitute and if there are ways that I can make it taste good I would be very willing to try it um, because we have tons of dandelions here and quite frankly I think I need to start thinking of more sustainable ways to um, start making my coffee in the morning. Another thing I've seen dandelion used for as well is dandelion soda I am very, this is another thing I haven't tried, but I have been reading on the internet a lot and it has pretty good reviews. I'm very curious about this one because um, when I was a kid, my grandparents made me dandelion soda. And so I I liked the taste and I enjoyed it. And um, I remember quite vividly drinking it, but I haven't actually made any of my own yet. So it is on kind of that bucket list of projects that I would like to start but it is supposed to make quite a nice um, soda as well if you make it. So another contemporary use that we mostly use our dandelions here for, we actually pick them to make a dandelion salve. So this is a staple here on our homestead. Um, I make a batch. I've been making a batch every spring. I Once those dandelions start flowering, I go out and pick handfuls of them and it makes a really soothing and calming um salve to use for dry or chapped skin and lips and i really enjoy it and it has a shelf life of around a year so you can generally make a big pat big batch it will last until the next harvest of dandelions pretty much and we I've been giving away tins uh to friends and family for at Christmas and uh birthdays and any other holidays as gifts as well. So it's really an essential for us and it's been used as um dandelion salve I've couldn't find an exact origin starting point, but I think it's been made into a salve for for a long time. It's a folklore medicine that has uh lasted through the ages so it's been it's a recipe that's been passed down uh, for quite a while so the way i make dandelion salve, i'm going to give you a little recipe today the way we make dandelion salve here is i will go out and collect the dry dandy uh the dandelion heads and once i have it can now i'm going to make give you the recipe as a ratio so really it'll work for whether you collect a ton of dandelion heads, whether you only have a handful, you'll be able to scale the recipe as needed. Um, But I go out and collect dandelion heads and then I do leave them to dry. So I will just put them on a tea towel uh, in a warm sunny spot for several days. So I'll just lie them out flat on that tea towel and allow them to dry. And then... Once they've been, once they're quite dried and it's been a few days, you can start to begin the oil infusion process. So you have to make a dandelion oil first and then you can make your salve. It's very simple though. It's it's lengthy. I prefer to make a slow infusion of dandelion oil. And so we select a mason jar and we will fill that mason jar up, fill it up about halfway um, the dandelion heads so depending on how many heads you get your size of jar will vary but fill that up halfway with the flower heads and then pour in a carrier oil to the top some good oils i recommend i've used olive oil i've used hemp oil and i've used sunflower oil before i enjoy all of those oils so um, if you're picking a carrier oil either one of those will work and then simply leave that jar In a dark cupboard for about four to six weeks. So you can just leave it in there, seal up the lid, and you're done. Leave it for four to six weeks. And so this is called a slow infusion because you're just letting it sit there, and all those uh, benefits of the plant are going to slowly steep into that oil. Um, There are fast infusions you can make, uh, which involves kind of basically like, I think of it as like flash frying the oil and the dandelion together. Um, I'm not super familiar with fast infusion process, so I'm not going to talk about it here because I don't want to give you uh, misinformation. But if if you were, you didn't want to leave your oil for that long steeping, you can definitely look up how to make a fast infusion. But I just prefer the slow infusion. And once your infusion has steeped, you can just strain... Um, your oil out over a cheesecloth or muslin cloth and that will just remove the flower heads and you're left with your oil just pure oil and at this point I just call it dandelion oil even though technically it is still your carrier oil with that infusion but it's easier to just refer to it as dandelion oil and then it's just a matter of combining um, beeswax with the dandelion oil so Depending on where you buy your beeswax from, you may get pastels, you could get bigger chunks of wax that you're breaking off, however you get it. Um, You just need to slowly melt the beeswax over a double boiler system. And... Then I just add in the oil until they're combined. So once the beeswax melts, I will just slowly add in that oil and stir until they're all combined. So I kind of make it as a ratio. I use the combination ratio of 20 parts of dandelion oil to three parts beeswax. And so it just depends. That way it depends on how much... Uh, dandelion oil and then you can use the ratio to add in that much beeswax okay so 20 parts of dandelion oil to three parts beeswax and then once they're melted and combined I just remove from the heat and pour into repurposed tins or jars and allow it to cool and they will solidify into their salve and depending on I've had a range of colors I don't know if it depends on the flowers that year or what carrier oil I use but they can range in color my dandelion salve can range in color from a light like a light green almost to a very gold so there may be a variation in color and that could be quite normal. And, like I said, once it's cooled, I put the lid on and it's good to go. And it has a shelf life of around a year, and it just makes a really nice salve for that dry skin and lips, especially here uh, in Northern Alberta. We're just a very dry climate. So, in winter and summer, I feel like I am constantly moisturizing uh, my hands and lips. So, it's very, very useful. And it's very simple to make once you make it. It's just two ingredients. Sorry, three ingredients, and you are good to go. So, those are some contemporary uses that we use dandelion that have, we use dandelion for here on the homestead, or that are used, or that it can be used for today. Um, there's lots of uses as well that it is still used for in herbal medicine. Um, I have heard about it. So, in folklore. Traditionally dandelion was thought to treat jaundice and liver problems as it was thought to purify the system. So when I was reading about the history of dandelion and where it might have been used medicinally, it was um thought to have been used to help purify the liver and treat those jaundice. I don't know why. I don't know if it was just because the yellow color um kind of looked like the same yellow as someone with jaundice or Um, Why that reasoning was, I am not too sure, but that is um, one area that I've seen it used for in the past. And I've also, um, in folklore as well, those fluffy dandelion stages when they start to get the little parachutes of seeds I know as a child I was always fascinated with them when they reached this stage and I found a lot in just the folklore and the background of um, dandelions when they reach the stage what the fun little games that children can play with them and I know I played a lot with these fluffy dandelions and I'm sure many of us as children played with them and I think it's still like Playground Lore and Urban Legend, um, a lot of these little games, but there's a few... It was kind of used in divination, in a way, to uh, predict things. So if you were to pick that fluffy dandelion head and blow on it, one lore, uh, one story, says that however many um, seeds are left on there, the number remaining is will predict how many children you will have and I remember playing that game with my friends and I don't know if it really resonated um every time I blew on it I would end up with a different number but those uh those are that was a fun game and it's still uh, something that I hear passed down it seems to be from generation to generation in that kind of uh or playground lore or children children's lore that they tend to spread amongst themselves um, so that's one way I've seen it and I have seen it referred to also in that way as a form of divination. So um, I've never used it in that way before but I have seen it referred to as well like that. And another kind of lore I also grew up with and that I could also see in the reading was it would be used to tell the time. So you would start Uh, listing all the time from one o'clock blow two o'clock blow three o'clock blow and then when you cleared off all the dandelion heads supposedly um whatever number you'd reached by the time you'd blown all the numbers the dandelion heads off that would tell you the time so so I did see that uh, traditionally in folklore it was used medicinally and it has also um been used as a plant for divination purposes. So it's pretty interesting. Um, But yes, then, like I said, when it came, started coming into the modern era, and we got this idea of this homogenized uh, lawn, it definitely grew a, developed a bad reputation. And so I thought I would talk about how it is still a fairly useful plant, and it has some uses. So Just as a tip for dandelions, um, if you are growing them or you want to keep some, like I said, they can actually be quite a vigorous plant and they will spread very quickly. So you can, um, the best way to get rid of them is to weed by hand. If you start spraying dandelions with insecticides, um, or herbicides, anything like that, um, They aren't going to be useful anymore for, uh, first of all, human consumption, definitely a big no-no, and salve use or anything like that. So you want to make sure, and that's also not good for your uh, garden ecosystem, so you want to make sure if you are pulling some dandelions because they're getting, you find they're getting too vigorous, you do pull, you have to pull by hand, basically. Get a weed, get a weeder and sit and pull them up by hand. Um... And that is another note I should make if you are planning on consuming dandelion or using it in any way. You have to make sure that it has not been treated with anything. Okay, so no chemicals have been sprayed on that as well. Um, and that does bring me to the last thing you can use it for. You can also use it for salads. I have eaten, uh, even as a child growing up, I have eaten dandelion salads. I had friends and their families who would forage uh plants quite a bit and so they would forage the dandelion leaves and use them in salads but the the problem is the bigger leaves can actually taste quite bitter so you'd have to use the fine baby leaves and it was mixed in with other salad leaves so it took some of that bitterness away but as always as well with foraging just please make sure you fully are comfortable and understand um, what plant it is and that you're competent at IDing the plant that you are picking, and especially if you are going to plan on consuming that plant as well. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode, uh, this brief look at dandelions and some of their uses and histories. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about them today. And I'm kind of weirdly passionate about promoting the dandelion. Um, But I hope you enjoyed that. And If you do have any questions, please feel free to reach out at the northern grower podcast at gmail.com. If you're able to leave a review, I saw I got a review there. Um, Somebody left me a five star review. That is really awesome and I really appreciate that so much. So you can leave a review. You can connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore northern underscore grower. Or you can even check out um, our. Uh, seed store at greenwichseed.ca. Thank you and have a wonderful growing season.